Hi friends, this is your favorite half-orc barbarian, Chud. Chud likes stories, and nobody does stories like the gang at Strange New Worlds. They're almost as good as my bard buddy, Sick Daddy. Hey, 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 his name is Sig Dad. Sig Dad. Shut up, Boblin. Anyways, you can go to their website. It's a website. Okay, so don't know what it is? All right, cool. And download free adventure shops and other goodies. You can even give them some money, too. They got a free pet shop. You know Chud loves pets. You can even get my favorite adventure of all time, The Quest for Boost. That's the one where I met my best friends, Sario and Day Day. Hey, hey, hey. His name is Diego. Shut up, Bolin. He's my best friend. Hey, is that my echo fish in your pocket? Uh-oh. That's my cue to go. Oh, come here, you stinker. Everyone else, go to snwproductions.com today. Faboos! Faboos! Welcome to Strange New Worlds Productions, brought to you by Legend Lore. Wrong. <laughs> I did that one on purpose. Flip it. <laughs> I, was, I was looking right at you guys. Like, oh. I did have to process that yeah. for a second. Yeah. I was like, wait, did, did he get it wrong? I was like, he's <laughs> doing it wrong the entire time. Let's yeah. be perfectly clear. Really we are dynamic the, eye you contact. I, how, how, how dynamic I was. In Welcome to Legend Lore, brought to you by Strange New Worlds Productions. So, Today, we're going to have some fire trucks going by. No, the police are coming for, for you getting the introduction <laughs> wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> so today, we're going to be doing homebrew part two, uh, building your own world. Electric Boogaloo. So I'm Dungeon Master Mike, and to my left... Stungeon Emperor Popatine. <laughs> That's so unsure. That was so, so just... Like, hey, you're demon tomorrow night. You need to get in the, in the right mindset, buddy. Dungeon this Master is how Popatine. I talk, guys. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Dungeon Emperor Popatine, everybody. That's better. Yeah, just, you know. This is pro player Cody. <laughs> oh, I like that. I, too, want a fun moniker, so I am Dungeon Overlord Osborne. There you go. <laughs> Some alliteration. I like oh, the Overlord. Well, it's up to John now. Overlord. John's going to think of something right now. Hey, guys, it's me, John. I'm DM Rockfist. The Herpity Herp. Herpity Herp. I don't know. <laughs> Need your banjo. Oh yeah, I'm gonna find some banjo stuff yeah, to do in this one, man. So I would like to start off today talking about the pros and cons of uh, building your own world. Um, personally, myself, I- I'm gonna start off with. The, I'm gonna go with the pros and then break down to the cons for me. Now, this is what I think, and I want to hear what all you guys think. So my pros about building your own world is that you add a certain unique flavor to the table with that. Right, you get to do something that is completely new for your player characters. And the other one I like about that kind of dovetails into that is you don't have to integrate integrate uh, canon and expectation, right? So you don't have people uh, <laughs> going when you change canon, which I often do when I'm when I'm when I'm playing like in Faerun or any other regular D&D campaign. I'll kind of adapt it to do my own thing. And I've had people go, "Well, that's not how that is." 
it's, it's, you know, in this novel here, this happened like this, or, you know, in the, in the, in the Forgotten Realms book, it says this. I'm like, yeah, I know, but this is my campaign. This is what I want to do with this. I want to do something different. So you don't have to meet those expectations. And you, ha- you have complete control, which can help you weave the setting into the story and the character development in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, and then for me, and the last con art pro I ever really have for that is then I think a new world can be really engaging to the players because it's, it's, it's fresh. You know, it's something for them to experience for the first time with you and sometimes build together. So I don't Let's go around the table. I kind of know what your thoughts are as far, as far, as, far as pros goes. Pros I mean, goes. I mean, pros is obviously control, right? Like you're talking about, like you have full creative control when you're not constraining yourself to a module or pre-printed material or lore, you know, and there's a lot of freedom in that. A lot of, you know, if you've, if you've been floating different ideas in your head and, you know, you find that implementing that and maybe a pre-established setting isn't going to work then homebrewing that is sort of the way around that right so um like i was thinking in anticipation for the the podcast tonight i was thinking like a while back and i never did it but i'd like to at some point like what if you took cyberpunk and uh, steampunk, right? And like put that together, right? And what that would look like and how cool that would be because you don't see much of that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what homebrew is all about, right? It's like you can take those different elements that you like and pick and choose and build out what your unique world's going to be. And that's uh, that's kind of a fun thing to do. So that'd be one of the big pros. I would say that pros column here, it's for the pros. It's I think that it's so much <laughs> harder to make a homebrew world right. than what I think we're used to because we've been doing it for so long that I think that it, it allows you to have that mastery over the game uh, mechanic-wise and lore-wise that you really get to refine to make what you want. Obvious things here, right? But to actually come up with the details and the to make the world convincing and believable and uh, alive is a lot of work that it takes us to do. Even if you're doing something like Matt where you're taking the canon of Star Wars that you like and, you know, kind of doing the, uh, what was it, the expanded universe, used to be called Legends. But you know all of that stuff, and you taking that to us that aren't super familiar with that, that's basically your, it's a homebrew world, it's a non-canon world, where certain events happened and certain things didn't. And even that degree of it really makes it more interesting to me than something that somebody else wrote. And I think that when you get to learn about the world more and not not through supplemental material that's like from wizards which is great like you can go read a dress novel and learn all about him if you really care but if you're going to the table fresh not knowing what's going to happen next session i think there's a certain mystique to that and that's what i like about D. yeah i think also you know to get to to pick up on what you're saying is it is a lot of work to do that right and you do master it helps you master storytelling i think a little bit because you have to, you're not drawing on anybody else's previously created story to insert in your story. You're gonna, you have to come up with that and keep your players engaged from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So you're coming up with everything. You're thinking, you're coming up with the history of the world, uh, all kinds of stuff, the gods, the politics, cultures. the cultures, all that stuff. Um, and but I do agree with you with like Matt does. He's basically doing with Star Wars what I used to do with Second Edition all the time, which is take some of the stuff I like and just kind of use that, and sometimes just create my own lore. But also, I think what you what you kind of earlier said it also touches on my number one con is it's a lot of detailed work to make a believable world. It's a lot of detailed work, but I think it makes you a better storyteller. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, do you have any opinions on this? Well, I was going to say, uh, go to Cody next, because Cody, you got any pros? Or? Uh, I got one thing that I'll say, but a little bit after this. Oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, I was my pro is the same thing, kind of my kid on was freedom. Uh, 100% freedom of your whole campaign is just, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do. There's no canon that's separating you from having certain characters show up in certain situations. 
which is one of the reasons why I chose the time frame I did was because the expanded universe ended. Um, I would say at about there was a time gap of basically the ending of the books that they just just released was about like 47 ABY and then it got to about like 134 ABY or something like that is when it started again. Um, but there's like a big, big old 90 year gap where nothing happens. So I can have, I can have characters die that are famous. I can have all kinds of stuff happen and it's not going to mess anything up. If I did like, you know, Galactic Civil War, there might not be Luke Skywalker, you know, Darth Vader might be somewhere done, you know, in some other place, but yeah. So that's what I really like is the freedom. Uh, what I think is kind of a cool middle ground in between taking a, a, a pre-published campaign book, which is kind of got, it's, it's a hard lore that you're kind of restricted to. Of course, you can deviate from it if you want to, but like for the most part, the book says, this is what happens. And then creating your own homebrew world is taking the pre-generated world setting like Faerun or, or Star Wars, whatever, and then picking your time zone that you're going to have this game in and I don't know if there's ever been a definition behind it, but I think that's kind of what majority of DMs do, which is they just take their world and then they just kind of roll with the lore that they like, which is what you guys are talking about. But Keenan had put a definition on it, which was a non-canon uh, campaign, I think is what it was. Mm-hmm. Non-canon, non-canon world. I'm like, oh, well, that's like the perfect middle ground in between mm-hmm. just making your own world and then being given whatever the Wizards publishes or whatever Paizo publishes. Yeah, it keeps the familiarity of the setting alive. Yeah. But it, it changes so you don't know what to expect. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, like, yeah, I like that. Your players can come into this, and if they know about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's the game that you're playing, they know about Spider-Man and Captain America, and they know, like, the general lore. You can give them, like, a one-page piece of information, and they can kind of figure out where they're at and, and what's happened in the world based off of the comics and the movies or whatever. And if they're, depending on how deep they are into the Faerun lore or whatever game system lore you're playing with, you can give them a one or two page synopsis and like, okay, I know everything yeah. that I need to know what's about the state this. Of a world? And then everything else after that is completely built off of the players and the DM and what they do in the game. And I think that's a really good middle ground. Absolutely. <laughs> Cause yeah. then you don't got to build like, it takes a lot of the work away yeah. and it keeps it, um, like I said earlier, familiar. Yeah. And then at that point, you don't got to build like an economy and a political yeah. system. Right. Yeah. It's definitely why I really enjoy every time Wizards releases something that's like, here's your Ebron world. There's no adventures really in this. There's just the, here's the yeah, world. It's a world setting. This mm-hmm. is just the world setting. They do it like uh, Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Same thing. Uh, Ghosts of Salt, Salt Marsh. I think that one as well. I don't remember. But yeah, I love those books where it's just like, here's the world. Here's kind of what's happened. Make an adventure out of it. And it gives you kind of everything that you would need. It's kind of, I, I would say it's a great stepping block. Those books are a great stepping block from going from like a, you know, one to five adventure into a homebrew world and then eventually full homebrewing your world. Yeah, and I think this is probably a good point to maybe define a little bit what we're talking about because the term homebrew is really what we're talking about right like you made it up on your own whether it be completely from scratch or it's built on the bones of something else but you could have for example a homebrew setting where the entire world is like something you made up on your own or you could have a homebrew adventure which is just an adventure maybe even set in a canonical place but it's not part of any like published materials you're not following anyone else's story you're just making your own homebrew story within that world right Mm -hmm. and so you know homebrew is that sort of bigger 
you know, picture look at things where it's it's just you creating your own thing, whether it be the setting or the specific adventure. But I think what we're talking about is a homebrew campaign, right? Yeah, we're talking about a, yeah a campaign building a, an original world and a setting that is not a part of has not part of anything that's uh, traditional uh, that's coming out from Wizards or Cobalt Press or anything like that. Yeah. So an original creation, an original, original creation, yeah. original world. Yeah, like yeah, you're, your you're creating IP, kingdoms your and yeah. you're creating kingdoms, and politics, and religion, yeah. races, all that gods. stuff. Gods. Uh, so cons for me is it, it, like I said, it is a lot of work to make a believable world and it is a lot of work to keep it consistent to make sure you, you, you are, everything is in line with what you want to do. Uh, and then one of the things that I discovered when creating Dark Kingdom during COVID, because we had lots of time and I wrote a lot of stuff and players don't always read all that de- detailed information you created for the world. So that could be a little bit, and, the, and, and that could be a little bit of a frustrating, a, a little bit of a con. Yeah. Uh, so what I kind of did with Hell Squad, since I had the general idea it was going to take place in the real world, you know, the real time right now, you know, to, uh, 2021 and be based around here in the Portland area, I basically just gave you guys bullet points of the things you needed to know. And it was like, it was not even two pages of bullet points, just a, just enough to get you guys going. And then with Hell Squad, we're just kind of building the lore and the world on our own together. But uh, in, in, cons for for the rest of you guys. I think it's, I think it'd be difficult to keep up with everything even after the fact, right? Like yeah. you, you, you put a lot of creative energy into creating everything. Then the campaign gets going. And like what usually happens in a campaign is player choices will change things. And so what? halfway through the campaign, you're suddenly going, wait, wait, wait a minute who was what what was what you know and so like you almost have to keep reviewing your own material in order to stay on top of it um and then i i agree with that con you know like you you put all that time and energy into basically creating this setting um only to discover that you know maybe your players aren't interested in reading the 50 page backstory of everything and even though you're super psyched for it you know and and that can that can not always feel great either so i was getting ready to say the same thing you were going to say is like you don't know what parts the players are going to attach themselves to right so you could have two cities or countries or whatever, and you are heavily invested in one of them. You think it's the coolest one. And you're really excited for your players to meet it. And turns out they don't care too much about it, but they really loved the other one. And they want to spend a lot of time in that, that other city and meet those people over there. Right. Cause it just kind so of connects with them better. It's not even that it's be, you make these two awesome cities and then they're all <laughs> druids and they don't care. <laughs> I didn't flesh the forest out at all. Damn, damn it! I'm just like, what's what's north of there? Can we can we yeah. see? Yeah. Well, what's what's well we've talked about that concept before. It's the Boblin, the Goblin. Yeah, concept, yeah I was about right? to say, is like, that is, is it, it? I think we want to go to the mountains because I think that's where Boblin is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like all you, of the quests are in the city. I mean, the the DM that can predict everything his party's going to do is like is he actually a wizard. Exist. Yeah, he's he's a real he's wizard, real wizard in real yeah. life. Yeah. He's <laughs> got that divination augury every year. What's what are they going to do? Yeah, that's not me. I'm, I'm always the guy's like, oh, crap, I didn't know you guys were going to do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hey, back to cons. That's yeah. one of it, trying to go with the flow. If you're in yeah. a setting or a, uh, a module, like there's really like one, maybe two, but it really ends in the same thing. They've, they're going to get to step C through whatever means, right? The pre-written modules are very, they're not, they're kind of on a train. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Most, so like mostly, yeah. that's the con is that you have to be able to react in your own world Mm -hmm. logically with what you've already established so if they do decide to you know kill the prince instead of guard him like what's going to happen what are the guards going to do if they do decide to start a revolution in avalonia and and put matt's character on the throne (laughs) yeah 
Exactly. So, like you have to, re- that's hard to do. So I did a really cool thing when I made my very first homebrew world. Keenan and I were getting into Pathfinder and I think we tried Wrath of the Righteous first and that just yep. didn't really take off very well. And I wanted to do my own homebrew world because I just couldn't figure out how to DM at the time. Right. But we did this really cool thing where Keenan and I actually sat down, sat down together and Keenan and I started creating the world together. Mm-hmm. And I had a, I had my basic gimmick of what the world was going to be like. It was like uh, magic disappeared and there was a cataclysm and that kind of like started creating like magic kind of seeping into the world a little bit. So wizards were like fifth level at most, really. Um, but Keenan and I and my ex-girlfriend, we started just drawing out maps and creating like cultures. Terrains. And yeah, and, and terrains and like in history of what like, so Keenan created with me his own city inside this place and what the history and, and lore and religion of the city was. And he was like a knight and they, they raised wolves and uh, part of the people were actually like lycanthropes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we had a blast making this entire, like, even the geography of the place, what mm-hmm. would a place of wolf people be like if it was an entire um, kingdom mm-hmm. of itself. Rachel and I, we did uh, a lot own- of fleas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rachel and I, we did like an entire other place that had completely different cultural, right? Yeah, it was like a barbarian kind of culture. It was like, uh, gosh, I I think like women were in some kind of really high up power. They were were priestess. They were a a theocracy. I think, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was a theocracy, but she was a warrior. Yes. She wanted to play a barbarian type character or a fighter or something like that. Um, But that, I think that was a really good way of getting your players to be invested in the world and also probably remember a little bit. yeah, because we, we got to you know, create a world. I was also, I own. got to be lazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to have an entire homebrew world, but right. I only had to be part of like a quarter of it. Right. I like no. that. That's that's that. I have never thought about that yeah. before. From now on, anytime I make an original world, I'm giving you each piece to make. Thank you. Yeah, to touch on that, what was <laughs> cool for me as being the player of that is I got to make my own size world my character came from. Yeah, so I got to cool. like, that's it was cool. my backstory. Like yeah. I was making like my double backstory. ownership. Yeah, yeah. I was making my backstory as my culture of my character yeah. and why all of that was there. So that, yeah, that definitely made me really invested. I still have my, the journal of the notes we took on that. Oh, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah. Well, it was a lot, I, so much fun. Well, now I want to see this. I want to see this. In, like, it was yeah, probably play. not very good because this was like six years ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. It was probably the third time I had ever DM'd anything before. Um, it was Pathfinder 1, which I, I walked into that game ha- really struggling to figure out how to play a tabletop RPG. Right. And Pathfinder 1 was a little too complicated. So it'd be kind of like the uh, my fourth grade storybook when I really decided I wanted to be a writer. And I wrote a vampire story. And Charlie was the uh, star of the vampire story. And he was Dracula. <laughs> and then like, and Brack, Dracula, yeah, basically. but with Charlie and, in it. And, and then Dr. Van Helsing, stole, uh, he, he stabbed Charlie. Oh, no, just cross, 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 cross. He, stole, <laughs> he, stole, he, he stabbed Dracula right in the heart, and he was dead. <laughs> You've got to make Charlie act that out, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I'm Dracula. So let's, uh, let's move into some advice about building your own home world. We talked a little bit about the pros and cons and what we kind of like about it and what we don't like about building your own, your own world. Uh, I want to start with something that i do frequently i guess haven't done i don't do it every time but i have done it frequently and that's building real world analogs into your fantasy setting i have selenia as a country in the dark kingdom and it's basically rome i've got talos in the north which is basically you know uh finland 
uh, uh, Norway, Scandinavia, Scandinavia, right? You know, then I got I have um, I have the Dwarf of Islands, which is very Polynesian. I have Raylock, which is very Spain. Uh, Zangara, which is a little Italy. Uh, and, and I think that building real world analogs into your into your into your kingdoms is a very very helpful way to communicate what these kingdoms are to players because everybody has at least a little base knowledge of of, of different countries and, and, and around our world the cultures of the cold and the cultures and how, and how that works and i think you could save a lot of time doing that uh you just got to be very careful not to stereotype stereotyping and and in this day and age cult culturally uh, appropriate stuff that's not correct now i have a lot i read a lot so I, and i've traveled a lot so i do have a lot of knowledge of these places that when i create them so i do kind of Try to keep it very, uh, even though it's fantasy, keep respectful. it very respectful and very real for what that is. Especially when I, you know, created Shaitan, obviously I'm very steeped in Japanese culture. So I, I wanted to create a very realistic Japanese country within a fantasy setting. What do you guys think about using those real world well, analogs? Uh, you know, it's it works great for the reason you're saying, because it, it's sort of, as a player, you know, okay, these guys are kind of like the Romans, right? So like, you just kind of know that it, going it's short into hand. it. Um, yeah. Where it can be a bit of an issue is if you are playing multiple homebrew campaigns or one homebrew campaign after the other, it does start to feel a little copy pasty. Ready. Um, yeah. And I think about I think about this. So like, um, and, and you have to forgive me because I forgot the name of the the city. But in Dark Kingdom, that far east city that we had teleported to, um, that's Raylock. That's Raylock. Excuse me. Okay. Ken, the, yeah, I'm sorry. I called Raylock uh, the country. Kendra is country. Raylock is the city. The city. Okay. So you have Raylock, but in my Realms of the Dragon campaign, you had Amador, and there were a lot of parallels between those two cities. Yeah. Not because we were trying to copy but because they're actually copies of like the old school like french like, like renaissance yeah renaissance, renaissance. and then yeah. if you read game of thrones um there's actually um uh, a city in the eastern kingdoms in in game of thrones that uh that's like that because i remember Arya stark went there right where like they have duels in the street and it's all about the, right yeah you, you yeah, know? yeah and so it, it like the 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 thing you want to be careful of is just if you if you are playing multiple homebrews in a row or you know whatever, look out for those moments and maybe maybe push yourself to distinguish them a little more. That yeah, would, that would yeah. be the solution. Yeah, I would I would say it's a very easy crutch to lean on if you if and if you don't actually create because even even when I use these real real world analogs, I still create very unique stuff for the particular setting as well. Yeah, well, like I know in like Quest for Boost, um, uh, the Roman kingdom. Geez, I can't. Ascaria. Like one of the things you did with them is they were very anti boost and they were very anti like the party culture and like yeah. that was not the Romans. <laughs> and that's not the Romans, right? Yeah. I, I totally I totally completely flipped them around. Right. Yeah, but yeah. then but then it was enough that you kind of knew what their fighting style was. You knew they were gonna fight shoulder to shoulder with shields yeah. and spears, yeah. you know, that like you kind of knew what you were getting into. Yeah, absolutely absolutely. I mean I would take it even one step further and saying in the real world, I mean it's not real world if you go into this side of things, but yeah. going into popular culture stuff. It's real too. to us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Popular culture is real to me. Uh <laughs> Uh, no, but like going into like, cause I mean, you're in a fantasy world, so there might be elves, dwarves, tieflings, all kinds of things like that. Pulling, uh, pulling popular stuff from maybe Lord of the Rings, pulling like, you know, the elven city of Lothorian mm -hmm. out of there and pulling that in, making, changing it up a little bit. Like in dark kingdom, you know, we have vampire elves, which are terrifying. Yes. <laughs> um, but like changing up a little bit. So it's, it's similar, you know, you're, you know, you're getting into wood elves and there's going to be wood elves in these realms, but there might be different, there might right. be a different uh, aspect on things. And I know you believe in uh, popular culture, but, um, Matt, there, there's no such thing as carbonite. Oh, there is. No, no. Haven't you ever seen that? You want me to show you? No, no. Haven't you? <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> I thought maybe you had seen that. I like, I like to use um, 
uh, more abstract analogs too. I think that yeah. there's not only can you use the cultures and time periods that we're used to, but you can use political ideologies yeah. that have came and fallen. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, I think that's not uncommon in homebrew worlds, mm-hmm. but I think it's less common than definitely like cultures. Like if you go to any RPG video game, there's very, they're almost always specific culture based on like right. whatever region you're in is Norway. Yeah. It is, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the Amazon, like that's really common. But I think taking those more abstract ideas that we're all familiar with, and you know like the totalitarian era of the 20s to 40s is like that's common but yeah. that's a good way to like because you can take those like hardline fascist right-wing ideas and make a really cool evil empire out of them like yeah, that's yeah. what we think of them today they're still the recycled all the, in the time game. just want to disclaim that. <laughs> yeah no but you can use them to um to make something really powerful out of and then but just since it's an idea and not a culture you can make the reasons why and whatever they are whatever you want them to be it could yeah. be automatons it could be uh it could be a lich. It could be shit, anything. Yeah, well, and I, I think it, it also resonates with your players, right? Because if, for example, we're all Western, then those types of political ideas we do view as being very bad. So, like, you would automatically associate the nation in your homebrew campaign that's like that as, oh, those are the bad guys. Those are the guys that are really out to, to take away freedom and mm-hmm. do bad things. So, it just, like, to y'all's point, it just makes it quicker for the players to get on board with what's going on. Yeah, yeah. History is a great teacher, like if you want to learn how to homebrew stuff. But um, I would like to recommend a book um, that actually I read when I was going through college. Uh, Orson Scott Card, the one that wrote Ender's Game, mm-hmm. um, he ha- he actually wrote a book called How to Write Fantasy Fiction. I'm reading oh. that book and, right now. And, and, oh, sure. and, and oh. it's really fantastic. It's so good. And, and one of the things he talks about is um, you have to decide, like, what are the rules of your world, right? Like, what are the oh, rules yeah. of you know, magic and, and how do the different yeah. kingdoms view magic. And I think magic, if we're talking about fantasy and homebrewing, like that's another big part of it. Yeah. That's actually on, on my list of stuff that I don't know that I was hoping that we can get to, well, we are going to get to all this today. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You've got to, you've got to really understand what we're talking about right now. besides just the real world analogs, we, 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 got to remember when you're building this world you're you've got to be thinking of everything yeah first thing you got you got to be thinking about the politics uh, the politics of each kingdom how those politics interact what kind of structure those politics are are they totalitarians are they feudal are they you know democracy are they what what you know what are they you know are they a you know communal communal kind of thing yeah a fiefdom and, and how do they all relate to each other i think like with the dark kingdom i got pretty i got pretty deep in the politics of each country and how they related to each other in the history of that world probably the deepest i've ever gotten and that's a good way to be able to make your own twist on it you could have like the democracy rely on like a fiefdom ship that they yeah. don't agree with but they might be the like the people that supply the democracy with right. grain now yeah. and so like you can add your twist to it that way but yeah, yeah. No, i've said that in the several of um we talk about the sci-fi stuff is and i think it applies to fantasy too specifically with magic is how does does the world work yeah like the figure the first thing you got to figure out to make your world your own and why you should make your homebrew and not just pick something else up is like what is different what is the thing that makes everything else tick so yeah as an example that uh, in dark kingdom the selenians had one of them has have one of the, they're they're very warlike obviously they're an empire in decline they're like um uh, byzantium would be at the end of the Roman era, but they had the most power, one of the most powerful navies. And so they were the ones who basically kept the vampire elves of Everstar from basically creating any problems inland on the main continent. And then when, when, uh, uh, Aerith basically began a revolution to free all the slaves, which their economy was based off of, 
they had to they had to take all those resources those resources to fight her and then the the elves now of everstar doing raids now on. now they're doing raids they've taken over the dwarven islands they're moving in they're they're starting to attack the coast so there's all these these moving parts to be thinking about that was me moving oh. my food across the table. sorry about that uh there's all these moving parts to always be thinking about and it's also you know and those politics will also be reflected in the culture too and mm-hmm. so culture is very important well, i think that i think that is an underrated example of how interactions and why you need to know the politics of like, so that you hit so many things right there because you're talking about what drove the economy, right? right. And then why a, a decision we made yes. to empower <laughs> someone to, because we were uh, trying to help them uh, start a revolution against the, the slavery of them, right? So mm-hmm. we're doing that. And then like, we had a real consequence. Yep. Doing a good thing caused vampiric elves to now enslave the island nations the dwarves live at. Like, there was a real consequence that all interwoven. You could just be like, oh, yeah, they keep sending out their fleets, and this just kind of changes. And no, we have, there's actual things that happen in that world that weren't beside us. They were 600 miles away, but they were affecting the rest of our game. And yeah, and that's, well, that, that's a reflection in the real world because nothing we do, I mean, we, 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 oh, we've seen that. How, how many times Western society does something for the right, or at least we think that it's for the right in another part of the world. A domino falls. And a domino effect falls. <laughs> so so I, I, I like boiling that kind of stuff in. And um, so besides politics, obviously religion and gods. I think if you're building your home, your own home world, that's your own home world. <laughs> your own world through homebrew your religion your gods have is very important about how, how you do it now we kind of we really honestly kind of built boost and everything about boost together yeah through story but i took a lot more and then i took the gods out of dark kingdom but what do you guys think about that i mean what's the best way to go about building religious structures in original gods it's one of my favorite parts yeah um, i think the way the gods interact and the history of the the history of the world is intrinsically tied to the history of the gods and that's just how mythology works you know and right. i think when you not understand the mythology or lack thereof of the world you create it, it goes a long way to making a more fleshed out world for your players to play in especially if they want to be clerics or they want to be paladins or they want to be people that actually interface with the gods you know yeah um, i also think it's a really really good source of conflict in the adventure itself such as in the quest for boost and how desdemona is like the uh, the goddess of hangovers and yeah. wanting to uh <laughs> or, 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 or i was gonna say by her yeah, by her other name abstentia 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 uh stay away from the alcoholic no we worship booze we want to party um (laughs) but that creates like just immediate instantaneous conflict which is as a dm a lot of times what you want you know um you don't want the players to go back and forth for 30 minutes on if they should or shouldn't fight the bad guys it's like no these guys are totally opposite everything we're about let's go you know um but i would say um it's super important and even if you say you don't think gods are that important that begs the question well why aren't they important are the gods dead are they banned are they weakened for some reason even the answers to those questions become super interesting pieces of the world you're creating absolutely so the last bit kind of touched on what i was uh wanted to ask you guys so do you think this is just your own preference right but do you think it's more powerful to have the gods as interacting powerful deities that are are proven to exist or more of the real world we live in where it's very ambiguous yeah i got something because we see uh mostly and at least D, they are active servants or they they have active servants they are active typically booze was very active but (laughs) then you go like lord of the rings and it's much more ambiguous they don't really ever mention much maybe in the history but a lot of really cool stuff still happens but cody what are you thinking i think having a pantheon of gods is kind of a stale outdated trope with D &D and a lot of fantasy novels too right so and i I think it's one of those things where it's like it's almost like tradition 
Mm. to build your pantheon of gods. Yeah, what makes your pantheon unique? Yeah, and um, one of my favorite books, um, The Warded Man, in this book, uh, it's it's very much kind of like uh, one nation of people is like kind of basically like Europeans, and then there's another nation of people, and they're kind of like a combo of Japanese culture and Middle Eastern culture, okay. and it's really cool, but like as you're reading the book, you kind of get this feeling of like they're basically worshiping the same god, just in different ways. Yeah, they, they took different parts of their, uh, basically like the Christian Bible, and they just kind of like emphasize this part, but this people emphasize a different part. So right. it's like a parallel on like Islam versus Christianity. Yeah. Like yeah. It's but, actually the same God, but two mm-hmm. different sets of way to worship. Yeah. Right. So like the God very frequently throughout the book, the God is mentioned and some people leave the religion. Some people switch religions and some people uh, are never part of it or they, they stay headstrong into the religion. And it's, it's great for conflict. Like what John was saying earlier, but I really enjoyed it because it was a fantasy book that did not have a pantheon of gods. And it was not this whole, uh, you know, my God is like a, a direct opposite of your God or like, oh, our gods are buddies. So we can we can be chill together. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the idea of a and d campaign where. Oops, sorry. I, I was remember we raised our hands. Oh, okay. when we were in and I, I, you I got so stop. excited. I got so excited. I raised my hand like, like teacher, teacher, me, 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 teacher, me. Mine's so higher. Mine's I like higher. I like the idea of a and d campaign. <laughs> campaign where there is no pantheon of gods where your cleric is getting their powers from maybe there is like a solo god you know or could maybe be, power could be from the belief even not yeah. even the yeah. actual or, deity yeah. or or yeah. maybe it's more like their spirits maybe it's more like a hindu style kind of thing oh, yeah. or like a buddhist kind of style maybe the the power comes from within you kind of like a, a paladins you guys like to say that paladins get their powers from their gods paladins get their powers from, from their, their oaths, oaths technically yeah uh, at least the fifth edition yeah and i like that kind of concept. I don't think you need a pantheon of gods anymore, like ancient Greek kind of style thing. I, I, I like you making it different. I think that's really cool. And I love your ideas about that too. I, I would love to see somebody do that. where like that. Maybe that made the power of their clerical faith is coming from their, their own spirit and their own energy. That's a really cool idea. Or, or, you know, you're each, your your gods are regional, just like how they are in the right, real right, world. Yeah. Hinduism comes from a very specific area yeah. in the world, and yes, you can convert to India. You can be a white guy and, and convert to Hinduism, but you know, nine times out of ten, if you're if yeah. you're born in that region, then you're gonna, or if you're raised in that environment, then you're gonna become that yeah. religion. This is one of the things that I think they did a good job of in Forgotten Realms, where they basically uh, back in second edition, actually, they kind of kept came up with the idea that the gods aren't equal, right? Like there's yeah. gods that are more powerful yeah. than other gods, levels and, of gods, and, and yeah, and what makes a god more powerful is um the uh ao the 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 over god right. he decreed that you know the amount of followers and the amount of faith that is handed to you uh well it's alpha omega put together right yeah, yeah. um but the amount of worshipers you have basically determines your power level well a lot of the evil gods didn't like that because if you're like the god of pain and suffering like you know why we're not gonna you, have a ton of followers yeah you don't have as, much, yeah, most as opposed to like the god of the harvest that gets like all kinds of worship right, right. so the um, god of fertility so but what it what it what it did that was really interesting is now Levi, uh, leviatar i think is the god of suffering yes. um, leviatar leviatar yeah in arkansas we say leviatar uh, uh but anyway leviatar Cthulhu. Um, yeah he basically said look you know or she said look i I've got to figure out how my message can be digested by worshipers and, and basically gave them a version of her like beliefs or whatever that they could grasp onto, which is like, you know, through suffering, you find truth. And if you cause suffering to your prisoners, you can do stuff. And so you end up in a situation where like she gains followers, she gains power, but she has to be, she has to interface with the intelligent races more and more. Right. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I think that's a really cool, like kind of twist on that thing where the gods almost have to work 
to get the followers, like that. which also is why they need clerics because now the clerics are out there casting the spells and doing the miracles and all this other stuff. And it, it explains why those things are happening in the mm-hmm. world, right? So I don't know. I like it. I, I'm totally down for campaigns where there's no gods. So, I think that Dark Kingdom is a good example yeah. of that. But I, I, I am a traditionalist in the sense that I like the gods being characters in the story and I like how that affects everything. Uh, so Cody, uh, one of the things I got really excited about when I threw my head my hand up, like really, really like, oh, 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 I'm so excited. I'm so excited was back in, uh, geez, second edition. I created a homebrew world called Age of Wonders that we played for a long time. And I went with a monothe- monotheism hmm. idea where I had Jada, which was kind of a very, an analog for, for a Christ-like figure, hmm. not Christ, but a Christ-like figure. And then they had Shaitan. Yeah. And they had Shaitan, who, which, which was, was Lucifer basically, right? And we ran that. Oh. It was the first time I ever did just two gods in a world. And it, it created some very cool and fun role-playing situations because of that were they also like pseudo diametrically opposed like when we think of lucifer and uh yeah yeah and christ yeah they were they, they were they, that's cool yeah. i really like that because they're depending on your background no offense yeah. to anybody but yeah. there are things to respect about both characters yeah yeah and, and that could be a lot of fun and that's kind of what it baked into it too yeah that's cool yeah. i really like that idea yes yeah, so i was pretty excited about it that it doesn't have to be that one's just bad and one's good it's right. that they're maybe maybe two sides of the same coin depending on how you write it yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so um religion and gods we just i think we've covered quite a bit on so one of the things that actually gets me most excited when i'm creating a homebrew world is races and classes about which ones to keep which ones not to keep which ones to change as you've seen i've done like i made the salty dwarves which are these dwarves that that love the sea and their their bones are a little hollow so they could swim very easily they're not going to sink because their muscles are so thick, um, you know, I, I turned elves into vampires, turned halflings into uh, to cannibals. <laughs> into cannibals. So, uh, what do you guys think about that? About either creating new classes, new races, restricting races, bringing stuff in. In second edition, a lot of times I bring in races that nobody had ever played before and figure out how to make them play. Uh, like Agent Wonders is a good co- example where if you want to play a min- Minotaur or Centaur, I came up with the rules to play a Minotaur or Centaur, and people did, and it was fun because we got to use the Minotaur and Centaur minis. <laughs> Finally. For characters, <laughs> finally. So I really like it because, um, especially when we're talking about fifth edition, uh, it's really easy to make a new a race to play. Because right. it's a couple of stats, a couple of skills, yeah. and then maybe a feature like you get X spells or you get, and that's a simple way. And I know that Tosh has made an entire chapter on just oh really having your own homebrew race. I need to read through it more, but like it's really it's like without even knowing that, like if you look at any of the races, you go okay, cool. I just have to do these three these three things, these three things, these three things, and oh now I can play as whatever I want to. So like I think that flexibility is awesome. I love playing as non-standard. I think that elves, dwarves, orcs, uh, and humans uh, they're boring to me. Like right because we we've done folk. it. We've We've like, done I it think so that's long. badass. I want to play it like I play this uh, yeah. on the un- unreleasable uh, <laughs> King Barney's adventure right. uh, set in the world of Tiberi, our boost thing. Uh, I played as a shark man, <laughs> which kind of has some homebrew done before, but like it was a lot of fun to play as a shark dude. Just it was. Big shark jabroni was a lot of fun. It was, what, it was fun watching you play him too. And, <laughs> thank you. And then, yeah, when I made Singularity, I took all the races and then basically cascade them like what 2000 years in the future yeah, it's like the future. what happened to them based on where they were kind of at at the time um where are they now what has right. changed like What's what changed, what yeah. culturally like what can i turn on its head that makes sense and why and as i'm writing history like events and wars that caused certain things to make that i think that is to me that's a lot of fun too yeah 
Yeah, I think that's a ton of fun. I, I love doing that. I think I think being able to bring in some and create your own races is really cool, and also limiting races. Yeah, absolutely. as I did because obviously when I created the vampire elves and and cannibal halflings, I didn't limit them. You could play them if you came up with a great backstory of mm. what that is and how that goes. But it did kind of limit it in some choices where people are like, oh, I don't know, I don't really think I want to be a vampire elf. You know, well, not only that, but in that world setting too, um, all, the world was so dark for lack of a better term, <laughs> the Dark Kingdom, yeah. that it's like it was a lot of our characters wouldn't have allowed that. Like. Yeah. There's no reason for uh, our current group would have t- well, yeah, welcomed we, them. And, like you're you're a spy. Like you you're like you were evil. We're super superstitious because this like hardcore like dark age setting world. Yeah, like, it's bleak as crap. So yeah. like in our maybe another group who rolled up characters for that world setting, knowing it might have allowed that. But yeah. I think they did it naturally limited it. I think that was actually cool because it wasn't a hard stop, but it was a like there's gonna be a lot of problems if you roll into town and they know you're an elf. And it yeah, it was and that really was demonstrated when uh Cody's character who was half orc got reincarnated for, as a halfling and about having to disguise himself and and not bring attention yeah, to himself knowing to a dwarf knowing how everybody was gonna react everywhere you went. Well even being his party member I was like I just assumed he was a cannibal. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't know what reincarnation mm-hmm. was is like yeah you're just you're just evil now i'm sorry i gotta take you out yeah. again like we tried we tried to bring you back as something good but you're you're an yeah. evil thing didn't now. work but that was also a good learning moment because uh rude understand that not <laughs> everything on the outside <laughs> is what's on the inside it right. was like your first step before meeting amity it was like yeah. so then i fell in love with the tiefling so. <laughs> <laughs> happens to all of us <laughs> i got i can i can think of two examples that i thought were really really good for changing races in your homebrew setting uh matt colville as the first one and he has a video about like he, he kind of talks about people kind of shitting on dragonborn in fifth edition i think I, in fourth edition too why, oh, why would they dragonborn are awesome dragonborn. Uh, i, I did it first yeah, oh you did that's right you were and then now that. i play one yeah but when i first came to 5e i was like okay everybody picks dragonborn they're just that person just wants to be a dragon right, and yeah. i was and and yeah so what that's still cool you know sure. <laughs> that's like that's the falcon but, so, but back me. then i was yeah. like oh that's silly you know it's right well like way out of line i was ignorant i was ignorant if you read the like the, the lore description of Dragonborn in the fifth edition player's handbook, it's not good. It's re- it's super vague. I and mean, you can take that as a positive if you want to. Yeah, that's positive to me every time. It's just like it, it doesn't give you anything that you can really go off of. Right. It's just kind of like, here's a bunch of kind of sort of information about it. Right. Anyway, Matt, Matt Colville had a really good origin of Dragonborn in his homebrew world. Which nice. is nice. dragonborn are created; they're not born um, through like magic, magic science. I think is what it was, kind of really? something like that. Magic experimentation, and they're created as paladins to help guard the king. Your second example better be Dark Kingdom. Well, you already said your examples of Dark Kingdom, so no, why no, would no, I just? No, like... I'm, I'm saying because you're saying about about race changes, and my my explanation for the dragonborn was pretty cool. It was really good. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm shamelessly plugging <laughs> myself, man. <laughs> no, it my is ego real. is getting out of control. I, I don't know you're if you guys can a sit... product we don't even have on our website. I, I don't know if you guys can sit in this room with me. My my ego is so big. Your head is taking up all the room. <laughs> anyway, I I just really like that. It, he didn't he didn't change any of the mechanics of dragonborn. He was just like, where did dragonborn come from? If I don't have dragons in my homebrew world, oh, this yeah. is. Okay, took away dragons. Maybe he had dragons. I don't remember. Okay. It was about law and chaos. And like, so dragonborn were like the ultimate form of like order Ooh. to help protect the kings. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, it's, I just oh. hate the typecasting. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah, that. you can. It's just so limited. Well, like, it's like, well, like, it's like where they're created, but you're still your own player. So you can still yeah, choose to be a chaotic sense. dragonborn. That doesn't make sense, though. But, but, you, but like, you were. 
you were, you were, you were created or you were like experimented on, or you were through like magical means, you were shape changed from a human or something else mm-hmm. into a dragonborn okay. uh, with the purpose of protecting the king. This is what I believe it, what the video was. I saw the video like three or four years ago, but anyway, I liked it. I thought it was really good. It didn't change the mechanics. It's just like, how do dragonborn fit into my homebrew world? Yeah. How do I make it so that in a homebrew world where it doesn't really look like dragonborn really fit in, mm-hmm. how do I make it so that player can choose to be a dragonborn? Mm-hmm. And it's a fun, it's a cool, unique lore thing that a player can really latch onto. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to go on a little rant though real quick that's for fine everybody listening what do you want to do stop making your right. races evil or good because that's not the world that's not realistic right. like unless you want to create like gnolls and like you want to have one thing that was created for darkness to consume something that's yeah. fine but like the old school like orcs are evil thing come on man yeah. like it's yeah, so when, tropey like and nobody's done that. at least nobody nobody i've ever played with has done good. that for yeah. decades like the idea that like there aren't separate groups of things all over different cultures is really silly like yeah we're way no. past that he, he he wasn't forcing dragon no no, no to be i know i'm harder. not shitting on him okay. i'm telling our audience sure open it up a little bit yeah. like yeah. give them or if they if they are evil to one culture because they had a war with them like explore like create a backstory reason why that like mm. again well, this is where the gods come in handy because if it's orcs that worship you know grimash or whatever then mm. like yeah they're gonna conquer and take things and attack people and sure. most people view that as being evil whereas yeah. if it's a you know a, a group that's being peaceful and has their own little area and they're not trying to attack their neighbors and you know so i, I agree with you but i also think that if you're homebrewing a, a campaign and you're like well i want orcs to be evil in this campaign well like maybe to your point really put some thought into why not yeah. just because they're yeah. genetically born an orc but like yeah. we'll what what's them, the reason why they they're they're considered to be bad them, guys yeah, right give, we'll give them a reason to be sympathized with mm-hmm. why are they like this well maybe they don't know how to grow food maybe that's not part of their culture or that mm-hmm. information yeah. they lost them so they have no, to, like, i like that actually that's like, good give them a yeah. reason to like make them an actual like every uh, every enemy whatever the opposing forces has to have something that you can look at. That's not just pure evil. Other words, I mean, it's just so one dimensional and boring and Hey man, maybe that's how you like to play it. Better. Right. Yeah. You said you had a uh, second example. It's actually kind of similar to what you did with elves making them vampires. Um, I was random guys on the internet and I just really liked it, but elves are super attached to uh, the Feywild and therefore to magic. And in the homebrew setting, magic is kind of dying out. So therefore the elves are not really able to really keep their, keep their longevity, uh, keep their magical powers and their body kind of becomes like get really frail. The air kind of becomes poisonous to them, I think. And they ended up having to wear like these um, uh, Mad Max style masks. And so it's kind of like a Mad Max kind of almost horror-ish level campaign but uh i don't i just i I liked that i liked taking the you could open the player's handbook and you can think of what's the lore of my world looking like well magic is dying so how does that affect everything else under the umbrella of magic and dying and oh elves are really attached to the feywild and to magic so how would dying magic affect the elves so, and then he kind of goes from there. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. This is actually really cool. Uh, so we talked. We're talking a lot about race. Uh, what are your thoughts on classes when you come into a homebrew situation? Like limiting classes, saying there are certain classes you can't play, and maybe there, and you have to build a reason within your world why you can't play them. Uh, but also, to me, that's a great opportunity to bring in like maybe some uh, classes that people don't play a lot. You know, because maybe you limit certain things, but now they're going to be forced to play other things. But also, it's a great opportunity for you to, as a DM, to practice your skills and homebrew some classes and they don't necessarily have to be balanced by D standards they can be balanced 
for that world setting. So what thoughts? Yeah, I like that idea. I think that um, it's already a huge endeavor to make your world. So if you want to take it on to rework classes or add your own, I think you if you have the time and the uh, know-how, do it because it's a lot of fun. Make your own. Or yeah. re- like uh, when you did Samurai, that was cool because I think Samurai is really lackluster as a subclass. So making it a totem class felt really good. And mm-hmm. rework in the magic system and then yeah. removing clerics because there's no gods. That all made sense. But I think the more choices, the better typically. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I have a hard time imagining what you would remove aside from any of the magic casters and monks yeah i think i mean that's probably fair because they're everything else is everything based else in reality like pretty, yeah you know, well, I, I, I removed archetypes for dark kingdom like there's certain archetypes because of the spell casting use but that was also related to magic too yeah right? like eldritch yeah. knight you could yeah. take away from fighter but yeah, yeah i mean but any world you're gonna be making is gonna be able to have someone who can swing a sword or shoot a gun like, right. so yeah there's there's a natural amount of classes that are just kind of kind of fit but what if it was like a what if? bc campaign where it's like primitive that no one has bows and have rangers then rangers don't exist we still have slings and spears spears. you're ruining my theory (laughs) you and your facts all i know is uh you know realizing i'm not great at making class balance stuff work because of my work on the witch which is coming one day i promise um it it's more work. I mean, it's a lot more it work. Is, and yeah. I think, and I would say it's a lot more work than people realize when you head into it. Well, it is. And, but here, here's the thing. I think, yes, it is a lot more work, but if you're doing it for your campaign, that means like the witch as, as, as your, as our first draft was your first draft for it would have been awesome in dark kingdom in the same way that i empowered uh spellcasters to have more damage dice basically right same way in that that when i get my first draft of the samurai for us to release you're like bam 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 and you were like and, and everything you said was right everything you said was good i looked at it, i'm like oh yeah i didn't realize just how powerful this this build was because we were playing in the dark kingdom setting and there was a lot of powerful stuff a lot of player powerful player classes and, and villains and, and stuff you're fighting so i think that yes it is a lot of work but because it's homebrew it also gives you a chance just to have some fun too right yeah. yeah and if your players are, as long as your players are okay with that because it could be you can get some players like oh you know i don't know this is this is too much i don't know i don't, know. Sure. I don't I mean, know if i've ever heard a player actually say this is too much it would be from another <laughs> player who doesn't do half as much right but right. so yeah it's hard to make a class for like when you're rebalancing against all the other core classes that have yeah. no modifications that is very difficult very but for your own world i think what you're saying is that uh it can be overpowered it could yeah. be underpowered right and i think that if you're doing a new class like we've talked about several sessions is talk to your players so like hey you want to play the uh new ranger you made up right okay cool we're gonna try this first session by session but i could take away or give you more abilities if this, right. if this does turn out too strong then i can take it away and that's a conversation you can have in your own home world homebrew world because we're not you're not ruining a bunch of campaigns by putting a supplement out there. right yeah, yeah exactly exactly i do want to interject though because we talked about a world with no magic people but you could do a world without any martial classes all physical weapons no longer exist that would be crazy and i love so it so only magic can be your weapon i, I did in uh your think, conjuration wizard yeah. would just be like summoning like a, a cast iron pot to smack <laughs> people with no no i mean yeah i guess i mean yeah, they yeah. could just summon elementals too like, what if i like just got a big stick though there's just no yeah. sticks anymore Matt, no you'd, you'd be like, like, you'd be like fi- the big brain genius like oh my I mean, god it's like a, it's a homebrew world maybe the maybe as soon as you pick up a stick like maybe the it deity's like nope sorry Matt, that's a noodle now matt i think that's 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 a world for you to build that's the most See, i like the idea i like the idea so of awesome. no full casters it's called star wars because nobody actually has melee weapons in star wars <laughs> but they have 
guns. <laughs> they so, do. And they have, have a lot of guns. They have vibro blades. Yeah. Mm. And casters have cantrips. So. so so actually I did it in, I think it was Age of Wonders. It was Age of Wonders that I did. Uh, everybody, no matter what class, had some sort of spells. So I, cool. I basically I gave I gave a very limited spell classes to thieves, very limited spell classes to fighters, paladins, et cetera, et cetera. Well, not paladins. I mean fighters and thieves and um barbarians uh, bard well not bards because bards had spelled this thing again there's something barbarians that's what i'm thinking barbarians and uh it was very interesting to see everybody with some spell spell cup capability i also powered up the the magic kind of like i did for dark kingdom a little bit so that because you know you got a fighter can also cast spells in second edition that's pretty damn powerful so i also powered up the magic or the regular spellcasters as well. There you go. I know. I figured out your world. Everyone is just an ultra level caster at birth. So like, <laughs> it's like if you're coming to the sword, I'm just gonna lightning bolt you. So yeah, I mean, you're now, now it's useless. You're born with yeah, cantrips, so true. why use a sword? <laughs> so hey guys, um, we haven't even got to the point of talking about the magic system in a homebrew world. I'm thinking that might be homebrew part three. I think that's going to be its own thing. Yeah. And that is a very, very big topic. And I have tons of ideas and I know, I know Cody's got to have a shit ton of ideas for that too. Oh yeah. Look at that smile. So let's, uh, I guess let's wrap up with some final thoughts uh, and on homebrew building your own world. Homebrew two, building your own world. I'm going to say what we have said before. Looking at John, cause we both say this all the time. If you're building your own world and you need inspiration, steal from the best, always steal from the best. That was a big part of the boost campaign was me stealing a lot from Michael Moorcock in his multiverse. I, I would, I would actually uh, say advice that Mike gave to me early on, um, was, you know, don't worry about being too original, right? Which right. builds right on what you're saying. Like, you know, I think when you start to homebrew, you, you put a pressure on yourself that I got to create something completely new and different no one's ever seen before. And it's like, sorry, man, you're not going to succeed at that. Like someone's done some version of what you're going to come up with. With that said, there are so many different configurable elements that you can add to it and change around that you will create something that's kind of your own unique voice. So just lean into that and don't put that pressure on yourself to create the, the next masterpiece homebrew setting like to mike's point just have some fun and make what you want and your players will enjoy that i i concur with everything i concur i think that um my piece of advice would be don't get yourself into making a homebrew world and campaign if it's going to be too much and it's going to break your group and you're not going to be able to play right so like if that's not if you don't have the time to put in for it or you don't have and you can't get it done do, do a module and don't feel bad about that like yeah. i really do enjoy homebrew but i also have the time to put into it um but yeah, yeah it takes like a lot just of time do what's going to be able for you as a dm or as a player or as your group that's going to let you actually play and enjoy it and yeah. have consistency in the world yeah. if i were to start a homebrew world right now and run campaigns through it i would start out with a single kingdom probably even less than that just like a couple of villages with a general idea of what this what their kingdom would look like mm -hmm. and how it would act and if the players liked it if we finished our campaign or if they wanted to explore outside of this kingdom maybe i would have general ideas of what the kingdoms outside of it and in my free time i could expand on those as i went along but i this entire topic we've been talking about like let's create an entire continent yeah. and an entire world going along with it and that's perfectly great that's what you're into for me personally that would be overwhelming so that i don't think people shouldn't need to stress themselves out about it like i do and just go big because if you don't go big then you're doing it wrong no i agree i think that's a great idea cody i think that's that's a good thing for especially beginning dms right mm -hmm. you build that one kingdom you can flesh that kingdom out pretty well it's most, one kingdom most Keep people most people when they give advice about things like this yeah. they say start out with a village yeah, and, a village, yeah. and give them a dungeon 
Yeah. And then from there, then you can find a city. And yeah. You can make a city. Yeah. I, I, that's true. You know, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta realize that we have been doing this for a really long time and we we're good to do that. We're good at building big worlds, but yeah, you're right, Cody. That's something that we like that big worlds and we cannot lie. <laughs> That's something I actually hadn't considered yet for the newer DMs, especially. That's that's a very good thing because you can contain that story in that one area, whether, whether it's a village or it's a kingdom or a couple of towns or a city. Your stress about continuity is a little bit less too. Right, yeah. You just build everything as you go along. Yeah, yeah. that's great advice, dude. That's great advice. I'm really good at the advice game. <laughs> My advice would be if you really want to do a homebrew world and you're like, oh man, I'm, we just finished Strahd or we just finished... Uh, water uh what is it dragon heist dragon heist we just finished that now i really want to make a giant world i would say oh hold down there tiger <laughs> and uh i would say with step two either now i was looking at keen i was like you know i'm looking at the person who's like you hold up tiger. let's go do it uh i would say you know that's a great idea that cody said it's build a build a, build a little village then they go in a dungeon then build a keep do that but as well if you want to like have just a whole world at your disposal right away and that's where you really want to build start with doing just one of the world building books it doesn't have to be an actual DD official wizards official you, there's plenty of other resources out there with worlds start with that and then see how that campaign goes and then maybe after that go into it so i feel i i honestly think it's a great stepping stone so like step one you know do an adventure step two maybe a world building book and then step three go into that homebrew yeah world because that those books really give you a good dive into what a world should look like and how they have made a world like that and there's lots of other uh popular culture about that I love it. last if thing if you want to get really lazy about it because you talked about star wars a lot the, the expanded universe of star wars is so crazy big and there's planets everywhere <laughs> oh yeah well what if you just made all of these planets and all of these uh cultures just kingdoms and or continents or cities or whatever like that so like you just steal from star wars rename it say it's a city instead of a country <laughs> or a planet and you're good steal from the best yeah i will say this don't ever try and make a homebrew galaxy it's it's not gonna it be a nightmare yes <laughs> oh, i've done that with some sci-fi games and that is that is hard I did a solar system and it wasn't too bad. Yeah. 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 You, you see, you took Cody's advice. You started small. Just a <laughs> yeah. solar system, man. Just a solar system. Just a solar system. Just a solar system. to the campaign. System. So to quote Animal House, my final advice to you is to start drinking heavily. <laughs>